name's Floss and I'm so happy that you can join me today on my podcast, Exactly. I started Exactly Podcast because I wanted to give a permission slip for people to follow their curiosity. I love people, I love women, I love connecting with people through conversations. And I know every podcast host says that conversations are the things that are gonna change the world, but I really fucking believe in that. I believe that we have the power to enlighten other people to different perspectives of life. That's certainly why I'm doing this. I love talking to other women, particularly women, about their experiences with the world because we all experience it differently. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. My guest today is Mary Portis. What I'm so fascinated to talk about with Mary today is why she's turned her attention to rethinking outdated patriarchal approaches to business, work and life. I'm totally with her on the opinion that the outdated approach to business no one's interested in it anymore. A lot more women are coming into the workplace. A lot more women are starting up their own companies. And I think that we're just, we're not here for it anymore. We're not here for the bullshit. More people are working from home. More people are choosing what they want to do for their careers. With the rise of social media, people building their own brands even. I think that the male way, the stale and male way of doing things is it's dying out. And I love that she's providing an alternative narrative for this way of doing work. She's an advocate for purpose-driven businesses and she actively pushes back on what she calls quote-unquote alpha culture. This is the idea that to be successful, you must mimic the toxic hierarchical cultures that have gone before and instead champions putting humanity, emotion, empathy, community and kindness back into the workplace. In her book, Work Like a Woman, she outlines her manifesto of a new approach to what she calls the kindness economy, putting people and the planet first above profit. That's a motto that I love. It's a motto that I can get behind. It's how I've always done business. I don't think a business is anything if it doesn't have some kind of purpose behind it and some kind of integrity. All of this, and Mary was also one of the first same-sex couples to get married in the UK, which I cannot wait to talk to her about. Everyone has a different coming out story. I just find it so interesting that Mary didn't come out until later on in her life in a public way. She's also just launched a new podcast called Beautiful Misfits. I can't wait to talk to her today about it all. So Mary, thank you so much for coming in today. Before I get into the main part of the interview, I'm going to ask you my quick fire questions to say the first thing that comes to your mind gonna have to <laughs> okay question number one what's one thing that sets your soul on fire sets my soul on fire is my joy of having my first cup of coffee that I make myself in a particular way with my little barista mm -hmm. and my oat milk and sitting in bed equally is knowing that there's nothing in my day there's mm. nothing planned and so that everything is just going to be spontaneous because so much of my life is busy and full and the days when I know there isn't anything there in the day and it's going to be spontaneous and I'm having my coffee mm -hmm. that I love. I completely relate to that. I have to have my coffee in a special little cup as well. Totally. It makes me feel so happy. Totally. Okay, next question. What's the last photo you took? Well, it was a little bit of a sad one. I took my dog to the vet and I know he was really, really ill, mm. really ill and he had this cough and everyone's going, it's kennel cough, but I knew it wasn't, you know, he's old. And I took my young son, Horatio, with me to the vet and he held him still while the vet 
was checking him. And you could tell, we all knew that little Walter wasn't well. And just the face of Horatio with his eyes closed and this love, the way he was mm. cradling this dog's head. It was just, I even thinking about it, it go, whoa. Yeah. And I just had to capture it. So that's what I did. That's sad, but also really wonderful. Exactly. It yeah. was extraordinary. sweet, beautiful. Yes, yeah, yes. Yeah. That's a, such a beautiful mm. answer. Okay, uh, next question. What's something that people frequently misunderstand or get wrong about you? They think I'm tough and I'm the softest thing. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I I. mean, I am strong. Um, I mean, my kids would go, yeah. My, my, my eldest son calls me the claw. I said, what do you the mean claw? the claw? <laughs> no, no, no. And he said, do you remember in Toy Story, the claw? And okay. I said, that's so terrible. He said, no, 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 mum. You're there and you hover. And I know if I do something wrong, you're going to come down. Okay. He said, but also if I fall over, you'll be the first to come down and pick me up. God. That's lovely. It is, That's isn't so it? insightful. Yes. Because yeah. yeah, I kind of saw it as, ah. And yeah. I am quick and I'm fiery, but I'm deeply uh, soft and kind. I want to get into that later, but quick fire. <laughs> okay, last quick fire question. Finish the sentence. I'm still a work in progress when it comes to... Women's equality in this world. And how is that something that you're a work in progress with? Because I have to deeply understand what that truly means. And every day, look at how I interact and how I am. And actually, every day for years of what the way that I've been brought up, this, you know, all the social editing mm. that we go through for years. Social and editing? Can you expand on what that means? From, from day one, sort of knowing how you know, what's acceptable for being a woman, what's mm. acceptable for being a young girl, what's acceptable, you know, even how I maybe look after my sons compared to my daughter. Okay. I, and yeah. even how I might treat a male member of staff versus how I treat a female. Mm. How, all the time thinking, yep. are you doing this? Are you walking this? Are you being this? Mm. Um, Embodying it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because unless I am, I don't see how it can ever happen. You've just launched a new podcast called Beautiful Misfits. I love the concept of the show. Can you talk a bit more about that and why you wanted to start it? Well, I've always felt the people that have inspired me most in the world, the teachers or my companions or the people that I've been drawn to, are the people who have been strong enough to truly be themselves. And I think that is the most difficult thing to be. Mm. And in society today, when you truly are yourself... You don't fit into the social structures that have created this society that we have today. Mm -hmm. And I think that takes real energy. I think that takes strength. I think that takes vulnerability and beauty. Mm. And I tried to conform for so long. And um, I realised not until I not until I was thirty seven that actually my power was not being fitting in. My power was being a misfit. So from the school, you know, um, when I was you know working class kid that went to a posh convent school, I thought I wanted to be like those girls and ride horses and sort of and live in a big house. And actually, what came out of my working class roots was a great kind of gritty, earthy that was beautiful. My mother read poetry and because we didn't have money, it didn't make us any less. And okay. so I learned so much through that and the five kids that I grew up with. I believe that the people who have made progress in the world are the ones that haven't followed the system. 
and they've been knocked for it. And yet I see such a beauty at the heart of it. Mm. And I wanted to meet with those people who are saying, I know the world's shaped this way, but I believe there's a better way. Mm. And that's what I wanted to put out into the world and through their misfitting, show the beauty of it. Mm. When would you say your moment was when you realised that it was your power to be a misfit and power to stand out was there something that happened or I mean I always when I look back on myself you know I even um, in my early days I was the, you know I was, I was the fourth out of five kids I wasn't the eldest I wasn't the youngest I wasn't the firstborn girl so mm-hmm. I always felt like where's my voice okay yeah and then so I started being quite you know naughty and loud and like always in trouble my siblings were like oh, shut up Mary you know mm-hmm. And then that actually brought me into being a great performer. And by 14, I was on the stage. And by 18, I'd got into RADA. So it actually was great. What's RADA? Royal Academy of Dramatic Art. Okay. And then my parents died. When my mother died when I was 16 and my father by 19. And I remember feeling slightly embarrassed by this loss. I didn't want to talk to people about it because I didn't want them to feel sorry for me. Mm. And yet I was in grief. But from that grief grew my strength to have to live on my own and make my own money. Mm. And then I think probably the final thing was falling in love with a woman. Yeah. And saying when I was in the public eye, you know, um, I'm, you know, I'm gay, I'm with a woman. I remember it so vividly, you know, my business partner who was a gay man saying, when you're being interviewed, don't mention it. Mm. And I was like, okay, okay, and being guided on that. Yeah, you know? it's, it's like you, you come out only to then be told so many times when it's appropriate to be out. Because yeah, you, you're glamorous and, you know, you're in the fashion. Everybody loves your clothes mm. and wants to see you in that way. And I was like, yeah, yeah. And then once I went, no, sod this. And yeah. it went out. Sort of stratospherically, my career took off. And Wow, yeah. Yeah, it was like I was really sort of connecting. And I realised then, yeah, this is the way. This is, this is it. No one can touch you. No one can touch mm. you when you tell the truth. And when you came out, did you feel that there was almost this responsibility on you then to represent the queer community? Or did you not feel that? How were you being positioned in the media when oh, you totally just came out? Oh, totally, you know, completely title of, you know, yeah, lesbian... Like, lesbian icon. Icon. <laughs> I remember, um, you know, my daughter, was she seven? She had this very strict Catholic nanny who looked after the kids. Mm. And I remember one day coming home from work and I and it had just gone public. And I was kind of very aware for my ex-husband because his name, you know, she was married to this mm-hmm. man and I really want to protect him. So, and I want to protect my children. Yep. It was being written about in the Daily Mail, well, every paper. And, but my wife, who was my girlfriend then, was joyous and fun. And my kids, my daughter just thought she was fabulous. And we, we took them to San Francisco and met all these other kind of crazy lesbians who were fabulous. <laughs> and like, it was just fun, you yeah, know, it was yeah, fun. Yeah. And my kids were like, you know, they didn't think any of it. Anyway, uh, I remember so vividly Verity leaving her little um, prep school and she was writing a card to one of the friends that you know she was leaving behind and I knew the family were quite straight and we're sitting at supper and this very deep Catholic nanny sitting opposite me and Verity says how do you spell lesbian I'm like (laughs) oh my god where do I start what's being written in the card right I'm dreading it so I just go (laughs) L-E-S B-I-A-N why is that Verity and Milo pops in because Verity's lesbian now and she went yeah I am (laughs) (laughs) why are you a lesbian I love Leah. And I'm just like, this is so beautiful, right? She saw the joy, Mm. the fun. 
She'd been in San Marino. No negative connotation. Not one no. negative. Anyway, I'm. But the negative connotations are all going in me, thinking what's being written to this very straight family. Anyway, I pick the card up <laughs> after we've had supper and I read it, and it says, "Dear Leah, you are like a sunflower. It's so beautiful. Oh my god! I love you and will miss you. Love, Verity. P.S. Lesbian. Oh my god!" <laughs> Yes, lesbian. My producer said that should be the title of your next autobiography. I was like, I laughed so much. But there was me trying to protect and go, don't write anything wrong. And actually, what she saw it as was, this is love, this is fun. Mm. And then a few years later, she was getting teased. And I remember her coming off the school coach and saying to me, I'm I'm really sad. I said, I'm sorry, they're teasing you. And she went, no, I'm sad for you. I don't want Mm. them saying that about you. Girl school, really tough. He didn't get it as much. She didn't. How was it for you then, being someone who is so strong and so driven Mm. in your career and and all aspects of your life to have to almost manage and please a lot of people with who you were during that period. Yeah. Was there a conflict or yes. was that natural to you? No, that was a conflict and I remember it. You know, had I been, you know, your age, you would have been like, whoa, but I had two children. <laughs> I had an ex-husband. Okay, yeah. I had a very public profile in, the, mm. in you know, on TV. and You're embedded in you're people's embedded, minds in a way. Yes, and also, so you have to surf this. And it was really not easy. And... And subsequently, mm. don't forget when when um, we had a child, when, when my wife gave birth to our son, the father of that child who was the donor was my younger brother. Wow. So that got front page of the Times and magazine, like front page. And I remember ringing him and going, I'm, listen, I'm sorry. And it was, and he was like, look, sis, love you, but, you know, this is full on. Mm-hmm. And I really, and then part of me wants to say, but it's not. It's what we have to do, yes. you know? Mm-hmm. But no I, one wants to talk about the the measures that queer women, lesbian women, bi women have to go to to have mm. the children. Mm. And it's almost seen as like this dirty thing. Mm. Do you feel like public life has built resilience in you? Or is it just, do you not feel it anymore? Is it like normal? No, I think there is a great deal of resilience, which is a beautiful thing to have because it is, you know, I mean, look, if we listen to the great spiritual teachers who know a huge more than I do, that's how we grow. That mm. really is through that pain. And mm. that that is. And, you know, and I've had a fair share of that where I thought, well, I'm not sure I can keep this up. You mm-hmm. know, I can do this. And yet, and yet something comes back in. You know, mm. I'm looking at this six-year-old woman going, shit, why am I even fighting this next thing? You know, what am I on here? Or, yeah. Why are you doing this? And I realise that it's my calling, you know. Every part of that, every step of that has been to do so, you know. And when I get letters or emails from young gay women, you know, it just feels great. Yeah. Or I was sitting at, I was at the Women Equality with Sandy Toxic the other day and she was just saying like in her, you know, even when she first came, was outed, mm-hmm. you know, she, it was real fear. You know, she had to go and, and, and hide away. There were people like just trolling and after her. You know, this was about 10 years before me and, uh, you know, you realise we kind of have to do this. And I sat next to someone at the dinner and who was a gay woman, had kids, and I talked about my ex-husband. She went, oh, my God, I didn't know you'd been married before. You were my icon. I said, what, you mean I actually slept with men, so I'm not your icon anymore? You know, it was really... Every steps, uh, you know, when you just do something that's outside the structures that we've just for eons Mm. lived in, you don't realise how deep that goes into us. There's a 
There's a there's a line that goes back generations and generations. We think we're living it just today, but that that's gone through our bodies of how society should be, mm. how you should be. And then you pop in and there's you at, what, 20-something doing this and going, I'm up against the same shit. Yeah, I think I think um, every woman that I've interviewed, it doesn't matter how old you are. It's um, I was interviewed by a woman uh, recently who she was fifty years old, and I was telling her my story about um, experiencing harassment with uh, bar stuff and the bouncers mm. in the club and stuff. And she said, "God, that was my feminism introductory story. So how the fuck has that not changed yeah. in yeah. our age gap difference? Yeah. How was that still our yeah. same experience?" said to you before in your podcast that I would like to start a company, I'd like to start a brand. What advice would you give to me or anyone listening? Some kind of tangible, uh, actionable things to consider when starting a brand. So the first thing I'd be saying, why am I doing this? Mm. Why am I doing this? So the purpose. Yeah, what is it? And what's my philosophy? Are the things that I really believe in that are intrinsic to me that I don't park in my social life or the way I deal with my friends and my family okay. and then create a different way of this business would I do that to my best friend mm. would I do that to my children like you know when you saw the when you saw the energy crisis that we've got and you saw that Shell made 6.9 billion in three months and there's people who absolutely elder generation people who are on the breadline mm -hmm. who cannot even heat one of their rooms yeah. right what human is in there that doesn't see that yes what 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 if I I've made in a shell, lot of money. human in shell. shell or any business? Yeah, yeah any business. Yeah, so yeah. I've made a very I've made a very good life. Right? Mm. I've got, I've made a lot of money. I mean, not not like these, but a wealthy life. Mm -hmm. You know, I don't have to worry about where my money comes. If my sister was like, I can't afford this. Do you think I'd go? Well, I'm sorry, that's your choices that you didn't. You you went into nursing tish, so I went into commerce. So of course, I'd give it to her. Yeah. Well, wouldn't that wouldn't that be a humane, decent thing to do? Mm -hmm. So anybody starting a business today, I would say, think of the moral compass at the heart of it. Mm -hmm. Think why you're doing it. You can make a fashion brand because you like fashion. You can do art. You can do anything, hair, anything. But am I doing good for me and am I doing good for the world? That's it. And it doesn't have to be huge, sustainable, eco. It just has to have that moral compass and heart. It's integrity, isn't it? And yes. it's having values and it's putting people first. first. Yeah, I think that's amazing advice. Have you always been so confident with asserting what you want in business and what and what the kind of life that you'd want? Because I've, I've listened to some of your interviews where um, you've said that you like a nice life. And I loved hearing you say that mm. because it, it was like almost like this permission slip to dream bigger and I feel like that's what me and my friends do for each other we're constantly telling each other it's okay to want a nice life it's okay to do these nice things and I think that because we assume business and making money is tied to abuse of power which it has been which historically. it has been yeah it's like there's almost this guilt attached yes. to power when yes. actually power can be used for good yes well it's a bit like being a gay woman who looks beautiful and puts lipstick on <laughs> Do you know what I mean? That's yeah, yeah. how far we've come. It's it's the same thing. I'm in what sorry. in what way? Sorry. Well, I, like, I like a good life. I like to buy beautiful things. I like a yes. beautiful home. Yeah. But if I was creating that and I was abusing staff and sacking them because I wanted to make a bigger bonus, yeah. then that's shit. Yeah, that's quite that's fundamentally 
unhumane. Mm -hmm. So I like, you know, when I my business makes profit, I get a big slice of the cake. Mm -hmm. Big slice of the cake because I've risked everything. I've set it up. I'm the name above the door. Yeah. Right? Uh-huh. But I make sure they've all got a slice too. Mm -hmm. Right? And as it grows and it gets better, they get a bit more. Yeah. You know? And that that just to me seems sense, you know? So you don't... You don't take for yourself. And, you know, I used to go through some of these fashion... Everyone used to think, oh, fashion is so glamorous. And the other thing is, you know, the sort of fashion editorial world. You go to the offices and there's shitholes. And you think, how are you putting people in this? You know? And so I try and create places where my team feel this is wonderful. This yep. is joyous. There's light. There's lunch that's put on. We all sit mm -hmm. down together having the same lunch. It's just being connected and creating something that has value and values the people at the heart of it. So, you know, we and I'm some of the people that I've interviewed on the kindness economy, the great businesses that made a lot of money. Look what mm. he's made at Patagonia. He's just given his business to Mother Earth. Mm. He's given away a billions pound business and said, my only shareholder is Mother Earth. He grew that business and made one of the most successful retail businesses by putting people and planet before profit. Mm. And in doing so, he made more profit than half those other buggers. Wow. It's extraordinary. Yeah. And what what are we coming down to? You come down to a truth. And here's the thing you know when you're not doing it. It's like you know when you've just been a bit mean to someone or you think, oh, God, I was a bit mean there. Something inside you touches you, you know. You know our inner little whisper that tells us that doesn't feel right. Mm. That's what I try and listen to. And sometimes I do get it wrong. Jesus, yeah. I'm no bloody saint by far, but... It's just being decent. Yeah. As someone who appeared to have it all, the career, the um, the kids and everything going mm. on, how has that affected you in your, in your career and in your personal life? Like, have you ever felt a pressure to have it all and be all things at once? I mean, a bit like I think you are, like you keep taking things on. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I think that's what you're going to be. And, and I think... Yeah. And I love that because I get excited. I think it started from when my mother died. I was 16 and Lawrence, my younger brother, who went on to be father, Horatio, he was 14. But my elder siblings had left to go to university. Mm -hmm. And so I ended up being the one who kind of looked after the house. And weirdly, I never lost that role. I became the sort of matriarch in the family. Okay, so from loads of responsibility. Well, yeah. And so I took that on. And the thing was, I always thought I could do most. So I... I think it was difficult to look after me because I was like, yeah, I can do that. And then when I started to make money and then I was 30 on the board of Harvey Nicks and flying around the world and, yeah. you know, doing deals with designers. And I was like, oh, my God, I can do this. This is great. So I took that on and I was married and I became the bigger wage earner. And I was like, oh, don't worry if you want to change your career and go into lecturing and leave engineering and I'll okay. pick that up. And and then I'll pick up when we do, I'll pick up the kids' school fee. I'll pick up that. Mm -hmm. And I found myself able to. I didn't feel... But then you look and you go, wow. And what happens is, even though you're loved, mm -hmm. people do find it difficult to care for you. It, and I yes. remember once having a row with my ex-wife going, but no one looks after you, but everybody loves you, everybody. And I go, no, 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 everyone's on the, most people that you talk about, they're either on my payroll yeah. You know, and I yeah. don't mean that in any other way. Of course they're going to be lovely to me, but that's a very different from someone really looking after you. Mm. Yeah, I find it I find it really hard to know 
when I'm taking on too much because my threshold for projects, even my idea of success is warped and changed. I find it hard to know when I'm taking on too much and I'm at max capacity or when Floss can get it done because that's what Floss always does. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We can rely on Floss. Yeah, exactly. Mm. I think it's really hard. Yeah. And I think, well, maybe that little coffee moment, that's why we're probably obsessed by it. Yes. Because it's ours. Oh, my God. Yes. (laughs) Nothing in the dark. that's so true. That's it. Maybe that's all we're bloody destined for. I hope yeah, <laughs> because I'm, I'm, I, I would like to launch a brand. Um, I'm doing the podcast. Um, also, I would like to write another book. And then there's so many uh, things constantly that want my attention, but I set them up. I set all of, of these you things do, same up. Here. I'm like, yeah. I, I literally said to myself, right, okay, I'm taking a month out, and I'm going to go. And I went to this great little Greek island where I go. And I'm there, and I and my kids go, oh, you can't go without us, Mama. We're going to come. So I said, okay, right, the first couple of weeks you're out there, then bugger off you <laughs> okay, lot, you know. Yeah. So they all came out. It was brilliant. And then I spent 10 days on my own. By the third day, I'd come up with a new idea. I'm ringing Kareem. Mm. I say, I go, okay, I've got this. This is this is what we're doing. <laughs> and then now I am literally five days a week for long. It's not going to stop, Florence. It's when it won't yeah. stop you. And here's the thing: you're going to have a wonderful, joyous, mad, crazy, bumpy ride. Yeah. And you'll go. I will. You'll go up, and you'll go down. There's mm. times where you'll go, "Oh my God, this can't get lower." Yeah. And there's times where those highs will not get higher. Mm. You won't swap it for the world. No. <laughs> you will not swap it for the world. Mm. But just make sure that when you get that feeling of that tiredness in your bones, you go, "I'm checking out." So yeah. I will now go to my team I'm out I'm clearing off just leave me alone and they'll know within two days I'll get a phone call going I've got another idea <laughs> yeah, no <laughs> that's me I, I cross my own work boundaries yeah, yeah, I say yeah. right I'm off no one talks no to me no one talks to me and Hello. then I'm on the <laughs> through the journey through everything has success to your understanding of what success is ever brought you joy you know what contentment that's beautiful Mm. that's where I mean I've had times where it's just been magical and you know what though those times where I've felt joy have been the most simple things like but really simple I remember even you know being married um, my first marriage and with my husband and I was in a supermarket with my little kids and I had my daughter around you know (laughs) just this little this cute little head and the smell of her head just under my nose. And yeah. he was pushing my son in a trolley. And I just remember this feeling of complete contentment and mm. beauty. And it wasn't anything to do with, you know, some of the high life of sitting in, you know, Paris with designers. That was yeah. never where I got my joy. Yeah. I got that. Um, I loved the fact that I could crack that. And, and sit with, you know, doing a deal with Dolce & Gabbana or, whoever. you know, whoever, or having lunch with Karl Lagerfeld. But that's not what I live <laughs> and remember, you know. Yeah, They're not yeah. the things I remember. And some of them would be the most beautiful where I thought I was in harmony, mm. in harmony with my frequency, you know. And, you know, sometimes I wake up in my home in the country and I'll just open the back door and I'll just, just see, you know, a little kestrel that's been nesting and I just yep. think... Yeah, <laughs> you know that that that's it. That's just beautiful. So it's it's those things. It's never the big woohoo's. No, and I think we chase those, but it's never that really. I think that that, that those kind of woohoo's that they're, they're the things that are like that's what other people put on us, put on you, yeah. and expect. And it almost takes experiencing those things 
to realise that's not where the joy lies. I, I find beauty and joy in the mundane as well. In those moments when the sun's shining on my body or I see someone having a moment reading a book on their own or someone uh, kissing their partner. I love seeing people in love. Those kinds of things are the things that make me really happy. And usually it's to do with other people. And like I said at the beginning, same thing with my coffee cup in the morning. It's those little rituals also that bring me I so much joy. I love rituals. I think we can underestimate a ritual. Mm. The same as the other end of the evening with a bottle of yeah, wine comes yeah. open. Let me tell you about that one. Well, it's a grounding. Of course it is. Yeah. People go, oh no, I try not to drink. You go, Do you tell me when you're cooking and a glass of wine then you put on a great piece music. of music yeah. and you listen to Carabin <laughs> or whatever, I don't on know. On your own as well. On your own. Yes. Yeah. And you think, I'm just going to go upstairs I'm going to sit in the sitting room and I'm going to put on whatever and I'm going to watch it and I'm going to get that bowl of popcorn. And it's a, the, the Buddhists have a great, and I often say it's a prayer. I'm not a Buddhist, but I'm, I'm, I'm very spiritual. I often say it's a prayer, you know, um, may, and you think of people you're meant to think of three people each okay. day and you're seeing someone you know yeah, yeah. and then you're seeing someone you don't know so well and then you're seeing someone that you might like the person that you've just seen a couple of times a week walking the road and you know they're a neighbor and you just say may he be strong may he be safe may he be content and may he be at ease and once you realize that if you feel strong safe content yeah. and at ease well, it don't get much better than that. There's it? so much gratitude in that as well because it's not even about you. It's about no, other people. No, but you get you. something from that. But you know that you're coming from that place where you're feeling that in order to give it out. Yeah. Mm. That's lovely. Yeah, do, it is. Do, you, do you have a, a book or some kind of spiritual teaching that you would say was pivotal for you in this, in this journey? Well, the biggest awakening, I went away um, and... I went away to one of these very sort of like we were going to go detox, me and my wife, and it was a, a very lovely area. You mm -hmm. know, and it was beautiful. It was one of those great big sort of spas. But it was, was this recently, or no, no, no. This was this was years ago. This okay. was fifteen years ago. They said to us when we came, there is, and he was, I don't know whether they called him a guru, this Indian guru, used to sit in a library if anybody wants to go and see him and meditate. And I'm like, oh, I've got time for that. I'll go and have a yeah. facial, you know. <laughs> so I went and did the facials and the bodies, and then you did your yoga and you did your Vedic breath. And one day I just saw him sitting in there. And you know when you just see someone who's so connected with who they are. Yeah. And I saw him and I went in. And as I went in, he just went, hello. And I started crying. And he said, what are you looking for? I said, I don't know. And I couldn't speak. And I just yeah. cried and cried. And he gave me this book. And it was called the Vedanta Treatise. And it was all the ancient Indian, which is the same as the Buddhist ones. And I couldn't understand a word. I thought, what yeah. is this? What the hell is this? Couldn't read it. Three days later, I go back and I picked up a book called A New Earth by Eckhart Tolle. Mm. And I read it and I realized I'd got the world so wrong. Wow. So he was my first and then Pema Chodron, the Buddhist nun, I, I read one of her teachings every day, Rilke, the poet Rilke. Yeah. And it's just part of my life. I read the, the poetry of Mary Oliver, and I just realised that, you know, we just are disconnected, and so it connects me back with my truth. Yeah, that's lovely. I'm going to mm. take on some of those recommendations. I've still never read an Eckhart Tolle book, even though they've been recommended to me so many because times. Because you're not ready to come to it. Yeah. Yeah, maybe that's it. Mm. You'll come to it when you're ready to come to it. Or yeah. maybe you won't. Yeah, maybe today's the day. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm going to move on to the listener questions now. Um, if you could give me a hand mm. answering them. Here's question one. I work in a very male-dominated environment and feel like I have to armour up when I go into work. It feels toxic, but I don't want to quit as the money's good. Do you have any advice on how to handle this situation? Well, you know it yourself. 
it feels toxic, but I don't want to quit because the money's good. Yeah. There'll be money elsewhere. Mm. So you have to, you have to, I could say, well, you go in and you try and re-educate them. Look, you know what? We all do this. The amount of times that we've gone, the money's good. I know this isn't right and it's not giving me joy. How long do you hold on for? Mm. So there's a couple of things you can, and I don't know what structure it is or what's happening in your business, but you can let them know and try and um, speak with other people in the business. If there's women, I don't know if there's a woman that's written in, that actually try and change and shift that and say, we'd like to come together because we think that what the way that we work, the culture is not working and you actually put some things forward mm-hmm. to the team. If you if you really know in your soul it's not going to change, just look elsewhere. Yeah. Don't feed that shit. Yeah. Don't feed it. I'm sorry. And, you know... That change, when you think, oh, I can't because there won't be money, there will. If you follow your truth and you go, this isn't good for me, it's not good for the world, yeah, the money's good, but like you'll find money elsewhere if you follow your truth. There's also the thing, whoever sent this in, they're talking about uh, the money's good, but there's also a cost for staying. It's like to your well-being. You just don't see it. To your sense of self. Yeah. Do you know how much that does, what it goes into your body and how that makes you feel? Don't know. Get out. Look elsewhere. And actually know and say to yourself, I'm putting myself, I'm falling back into this and I'm putting myself out to the world. Guide me. Talk to it. You know, hover over me. Help me through this. Talk to whatever energy that's out there. It is there. And connect with that and get yourself out. Mm. Okay. Uh, Next question. I've just finished uni and I'm so confused about what I want to do with my life. Do you have any tips on finding my purpose or creating a meaningful career? It feels so overwhelming and I don't know where to start. It is overwhelming. And if anyone tells you what's your passion or asks you that, just slap them quickly around the face because (laughs) none of us have that. Most of us Mm. stumble about over it. I never knew what I wanted to do. And I had the doors closed when my father died and I couldn't go and become an actress at Raja. So I had to redo it. And sometimes I fell flat on my face. Here's the thing that I would say to you. If there's anything that you have a slight inclination towards that you think that's interesting, just push the door open on it and just peer around it. Because what happens is that little door that you push will maybe open up another one. You don't have to set out. When I used to sit and do interviews yeah. years ago, they say, where do you see yourself in five years? Listen, I don't know where I am tomorrow. <laughs> I get asked that. Yeah, yeah, it's shit. Anyone who asks you that, just walk away. I don't even know where I'm going to be tomorrow. And even how your day turns out is never what you think it's going to Mm. be. And actually, the minute you think you're meant to be here, the only thing that ever happens is disappointment. So every day, look at the opportunities and there might be little lights or conversations and follow them. If you are interested in something, follow it. Don't feel embarrassed to ask. Don't feel embarrassed to anybody that you see or you hear is doing something that interests you. Mm. Can I sit and work with you for a day? Can I meet with you? So many of us hold back. If I could write how many times people push themselves forward to ask me or write to me and say, could you have a coffee with me, Mary? Mm. There's a lot of pushy people out there in the world. And you know what? Be that. Don't feel embarrassed. And people say, no, no, and I'm not going to meet with you. If you're interested in something and Mm. they don't want to meet with you, move on to the next. But don't feel you've got to have a big plan. You won't have it. It's only just open up each day and be curious and follow that curiosity. 
And what would you say um, opening the doors could look like? Could, could that even just be researching something in the, with the incarnation? Yes, you'll feel stimulated about something. You might read something and say, God, that sounds interesting. Oh, mm. I like that. And you'll say to yourself, and all that will happen is your mind will come and go, you can't do that. Yes. Who do you think you are? Yeah. You're not big enough. And actually, you just go, why is that message coming into me? Why is that giving me a little bit of joy or a little mm. bit of excitement? Then push that and just follow it. And that's what happens. That's how it opens. That's yeah. how it opens and unfolds and life unfolds and then you start going on to your next thing mm-hmm. you don't have to have a big plan it's the worst thing anyone could put in you and if someone says you watch your passion please just forget it none of us have passions we have interest yeah. so we're lucky if someone says i've always wanted to be an actor or i've always wanted to be an artist they're bloody lucky they're rare yeah. though. they're rare there you go if you're listening this is your permission slip to follow your curiosity okay on to the next question um, do you have any tips for asserting boundaries at work? I'm quite junior and I feel like I've been taken advantage of as I always work longer than my contracted hours, for example. I'm scared to push back and set boundaries. Do you have any advice? Yeah, I think you can do it. I mean, I I, I go through this with my daughter all the time, you know. Um, you'll see the, the work culture that's around you. And if there is a work culture of, you know, working late and you're feeling embarrassed because you've got to actually promise your friend that you're going to go and have supper with her or you were meant to go <laughs> out for a drink or you actually have a doctor's appointment, what you have to do is do where you really genuinely feel I'm giving my utmost and now I'm falling into this place where I feel uncomfortable. Yeah. Meet your uncomfortableness, meet it and go, right, here's the challenge, here it is. Pack your bag and walk out of the office and go if you feel it's time for you to go home. Just watch what happens. Few people will say anything to you. Believe you me, yeah. few people will say... You feel it in your body, don't you? You feel it, you know, done. it's like, oh, God, God, and I'm sitting here and you're watching old Sybil in the corner who's going to hang on a bit longer and you're thinking, what's that conversation that they're having? They probably look at me thinking I'm not doing enough. I mean, your mind is just horrendous in these situations. Mm. Follow the inner frequency that says, I know I've done enough. I know. And watch if they pick you up. They probably won't. And if they do, sit and have that conversation then and go, do you know what? I really feel I'm giving my... Is there anything you think I'm not doing? Mm. And put it back on them. Yeah. But unless you start to change this, nothing changes. So, you know what you could... And what's it, Gandhi, be the change you want to see. The only way to do it, and I know it's all right me sitting here at the top of my game and having made the money I have, but I wish I had done more of that when I was younger. Yeah. And many people that I've spoken to who do this, you find actually people aren't thinking, God, look at her going off. They just don't. They no. just don't. Or, you know, the other thing is throw it back at them. Throw it back at your boss and just say, you know, is it okay if I leave at this time, you know, in the evenings? Mm. Or let me know. Will you let me know if you need me to work on any later? Just see what they say. So it's like putting the responsibility. Yeah, back on Yeah. Them. Okay. What's one piece of advice oh. you'd give yourself as a young woman? Oh, just be less hard on yourself, Jesus. Yeah. Just be less hard on yourself. Just be kind to you. You know, the times that you're... Even if I find itself sometimes now I'm doing things, you know, and you think, what did you sound like there? Well, God, you idiot. And you just... We do that. We speak badly to ourselves sometimes, you know? Mm. Just be just be kind to yourself. Look after yourself. Look after that young person who's in there. You know, love them. Talk to them. I think I wish I'd done that. I didn't even know I was in there. And I'm talking about your soul, really connecting and going, you know what, you're very beautiful and you're good and this just, I love you. That's what I would have done more of. 
Wow, what a wonderful episode. I feel like I have so much to take in from Mary, just even with her business ethic and how she runs a brand, how she teaches brands to run their brands is definitely something that I would like to do in the future. I love that she teaches this different way of doing business to the boys club and the traditional way that we have been taught to mimic business in the industry, whether it's a fashion industry or it's a nine to five job in the office. I think that we have all been taught that you need to kind of push people out the way to get to where you want to be. And that's definitely not a way that I want to do my business. It's not a way I live my life. Um, and I just think it's really inspiring to talk to someone who is a leading and living example of doing just that. Thank you so much again to Mary for joining me today and to all of you for listening. You can find her on Instagram and Twitter at Mary Portis Official. And a massive thank you to the incredible Black Honey who composed the original theme music for the show. They're fucking amazing. You can find them on Instagram at at Black Honey UK and you can check out their latest album written and directed. This is a Something Else and Sony Music Entertainment production. My producer is Millie Charles, assistant producer is Ella McLeod, executive producer is Carly Mayle and the production coordinator is Lily Hambly. And I want to give a special thanks to Chris Skinner, Jonathan Imieri, Ryan O'Meara and Teddy Riley for additional production and thanks to our engineers Jay Beal, Josh Gibbs and Gulliver Tickle.